Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The following is a presentation of the Force Center podcast feed. the center of the galaxy, this is the Force Center Podcast feed. I'm Ken Napsa. I'm Joseph Scrimshaw. And I'm Jennifer Landa. 
And we are here. I said that weird, but we're rolling with it. We are here to talk about news, breaking news from a long time ago. It's our Star Wars news show, which is always a weird, wonderful, sometimes weird place to step in. There's a lot of news out there, some rumors, some spoilers, some from Tony Gilroy just saying, once again, here's what's happening. And we want to try to avoid all those things, but talk about a lot of things. It is a, it's an all and or uh, news show indeed. Uh, before we get to all that, today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash force center over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iphone android kindle or mp3 player a little bit later as always whatever force center recommends an audiobook we think you should try out on us before we do that it is star wars adventures it is life adventures uh one of us i know guaranteed had some <laughs> grand adventures so we're gonna leave him uh, in the cleanup spot there, uh, Jen. Uh, what do you uh, What do you got for us here, Life and Star Wars Adventures? It's the quiet before the Andor storm, right? I, I feel mm. like this is my time to kind of gather my thoughts because they released the schedule for Andor. I think it was on Instagram. I saw it, and it is just you know week after week mm. we're gonna be getting it, and I can't I can't wait. But I know it's gonna we're gonna be at a frantic pace then. So I'm trying to enjoy this quiet time. <laughs> Uh, by watching, I'm trying to finish Light and Magic. I'm now on mm. episode six, slowly making my way. But it is just, I mean, every episode is like an hour long. And it's just packed with with behind the scenes footage that I've never seen before. Mm. Um, and the way that the interviews are, they're really natural. And they're just more, they feel very like real and off the cuff. Um, not as, you know, slick as yeah. perhaps we some of the other documentaries that we've seen or behind the scenes things. Um, and I just, I'm loving it. I stand in awe of all these great visual mm. effects peoples and the, the computer people, the computer graphics team. Incredible. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of superstars re revealed some names we're familiar with some you kind of got reacquainted with such a wonderful thing. Yeah. And, and Hey, it's okay to just work your way through it when you can, right? No pressure, no pressure here. I'm yeah. just enjoying it. Yeah. <laughs> I just get the picture. And I mean, this in a positive way of Kasdan with his shovel. Like <laughs> he's like, I know these people and I know a lot of people know parts of these stories, but I'm going to really get deeper. I'm going to get into really, how did the humans feel about all these things? And that, I think yeah. that's what makes it so great. He does such a great job interviewing all of these wonderful people. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 No, you know, Phil Tippett's a star already, but he was, uh, you know, getting a lot of uh, praise for his honest talk and that I love I'm with, I'm with you too, especially because, you know, Kasdan, you know, was there. Uh, mm -hmm. But also comes along probably after the Dykstra stuff. And so I, I just, I'm amazed that he's kind of like, it's almost like he's the friend between both of them. Yeah. <laughs> George said you said this. What, what, George said that? No, you tell George. I'm uh, just fascinated by that. So. Right, right. And they handle it really, really well when mm. there are, you can tell that there was obviously some tensions between people of you know, why they left and things like that. But they, and they put kind of maybe somber music and then they continue on, but they still like honor their decision, whoever it is, their decision yeah. to leave and why they leave left. And so yeah, just really, really well done. And I love that occasionally you can hear Lawrence Kasdan's voice, you know, behind the, behind the <laughs> camera, just really trying to, trying to get to the heart of it. That's just great. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That was my weekend. Hey, that's a full weekend. And yeah. we mentioned it before, we have gotten some uh, uh, questions about, Hey, are we going to do a full deep dive on that? And, and, and we, we've, Answer, but just to be clear, to pull back the curtain, it's it's definitely in our um, on our writer screen. It's in our hearts to maybe try to do so. It just uh, could be a difficult time to get to that. But uh, here's the thing: Th that exists. It doesn't go away. So if we want to take a dive a little bit later on Force Center, we will absolutely try. We just want to let y'all know we have gotten some 
requests and some questions about that there. Mm -hmm. Uh, For me, it's pretty simple. Uh, Busy week, a lot of things going on, blah, blah, blah. Woe is me. I did find time to sit down and read some Star Wars comics. Always love to update people when I finally get a chance to pull out my stack <laughs> and read uh, and catching up with a lot of the Vader stuff. And yeah, because Joseph and I, I think you you, had, you and I had mentioned um, Kitster. Like, where's Kitster? And then I finally got to the part where Kitster and Wald showed up. Nice. And uh, yeah, interesting stuff there. Uh, the comics are at times overwhelming, like we talk about for, you know, a lot of you out there read them weekly and love them and we, we do as well. Love love having just a stack of Star Wars comics to go through and Saga, which is back. Uh, but uh, finally, but it was just nice on a on a Saturday, on a very hot day. <laughs> I go to, out to a poetry reading later that night, uh, which is uh, something I, I don't do often, but it's a lot of fun on its own way. Um, to sit down on the couch like a 14-year-old, pull out your comics and read your Star Wars stories. Always a nice thing. <laughs> oh, that sounds great. I'm going to have some off-air follow-up questions about this poetry reading. I'm fascinated. <laughs> It, it it was it was a great time. It was a great time. Uh, after years of stand up comedy shows, this is my first poetry reading, and it was a fun experience. <laughs> That's there great. Uh, but this is all uh, this is all the uh, the opening acts to the adventures of Joseph out and about. Uh, if you follow him on social media, you saw you seemingly, unless the pictures lied, had a wonderful time <laughs> back home at the convention. Joseph, uh, how was it all, and how did it go down? Uh, the photos did not lie. I had a great time. Um, I am feeling relatively sharp right now, but as we record, I'm fairly exhausted. Had the plane uh, delayed and canceled, slept in a hotel for three hours. Mm. Uh, the the pilot uh, literally uh, declared fatigue. That's what the announcement said. The pilot has declared fatigue. Get off the plane. Uh, so besides having a little bit of an adventure getting home, I had a great time back home in Minneapolis. I was at uh, this convention I've done for years and years called Convergence. Um, it is just, it's a really great convention. Sometimes it's hard to explain because it's not like Comic-Con. It is all volunteer run and it's just like a three to four day party. Um, and a lot of kind of professionals come in. There are guests uh, of honor and all that, uh, but it's just such a celebration of all things pop culture and really just uh, having a good time. So I did a stand-up show there uh, for about 400 people and it went wow. really, really well. Uh, I, I have been to many poetry readings. I did a, 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 sto- a couple storytelling shows with some storytelling friends, and I made a joke about a poetry reading. And mm-hmm. afterwards, my wife said, uh, one person said, ooh, that's harsh towards poetry readings. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it's on my mind. I might have accidentally uh, offended at least one person in the mm-hmm. audience. Uh, yeah, and then uh, for, for years and years, I also did the uh, the Minnesota Fringe Festival, and this is the first time both Convergence and the Fringe Festival were at the same time. Mm. So I was off, also able to run off and see my brother's uh, Fringe show. So it was a really weird trip because it was like, this is your life, I saw mm. I saw dozens of friends. I, wow. you know, I had uh, I had a beer with uh, my two oldest friends from high school. Uh, you know, and uh, did convergence again for the first time in three years, and went to the fringe and stepped into a theater that like has been incredibly important in my life for decades. Uh, you know, the theater where my brother met his wife in 1996, and I hadn't stepped foot in there in eight years, and saw family and that. So it was it was a really uh, great uh, a whirlwind of emotion. Wow. Uh, but all very, very positive. Um, yeah, on the Star Wars front, uh, I did a couple different Star Wars panels. Uh, a friend of mine uh, put on a panel called Star Wars Positivity, where everybody just kind of said what they really liked about Star Wars for an hour, which was really, really great. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a lot of Star Wars conversations, both uh, both positive, casual, intense. It was a really good reframing 
of just like, you know, what are people's opinions? Some people are way into it. Some people saw Star Wars, a certain Star Wars show once or whatever. Uh, so it was really good to get back in that mindset. Um, I sat down in particular uh, with some friends that I've done uh, comedy and storytelling with a ton over the years. And it was really great to sit down and have dinner with them. But in the place we sat down, they were playing Rise of Skywalker on the television. And my friend was like, oh, I don't like this one. And I was like, oh, here we go. Here we here go. go. <laughs> <laughs> but it was great because they're the kind of friends who like uh, we uh, we talk by debating things. So I was able to kind of like uh, be unchained uh, mm. because I knew I wouldn't hurt anybody's feelings. I was like, now, why do you think that? Come on, what's going on? <laughs> uh, so that was really fun. And then the last thing I wanted to be mm. sure to sh- sure to say is uh, there was a, a great uh, Force Center patron listener. Uh, people may know him if uh, you're on Discord or in the patreon uh question area is pq uh pq came to a bunch of my shows and panels uh, very kindly wore a four center shirt and we had some really nice chats uh with him about star wars and about four center and he had nothing uh, but very kind things to say so that was really really nice to have uh have uh, that that part of four center there in my this is your life weekend love Aww. it yeah all things accounted for and, and <laughs> it really was it really was yeah oh, love that's it. great love it. love it we love uh, hanging out and uh, chatting and seeing uh you all face to face so uh we appreciate uh, our listeners and supporters everywhere it means a lot because we sometimes are just broadcasting right now i'm in a dark studio with the lights off and a fan lightly going that's all i see <laughs> that's four <seven. laughs> All right. So from poetry readings, which I entered with a beer and said, are we, do we drink here? So uh, from poetry readings to convergence (laughs) to comics and more, let's get into some Star Wars news. And like I said up top, it is uh, kind of and or season. It seems as though some of the news and happenings like uh, there's that re-release of Rogue One happening in IMAX theaters. Seems a lot of it was geared towards an August uh, 31st release date. But um, <laughs> here we are. We're going to be happy with Andor when it shows up uh, September 21st. The music of Andor is in spotlight. A production brief, a brief 29-page production brief made the rounds this week. And a lot of little stories popped out of that. This is where I'll tell you, if you're listening, you don't know and you don't want to seek it out. A lot of it, it's it's official news and information, not scoops. It's not spoilers, but it's very, very specific information. So we're not going to cover all of it. Some of you might have seen some of the conversations. But one of the things that kind of emerged from it was this revelation that composer Nicholas Brittel has composed 12 different variations of the Andor theme, each tailored to the theme, tones, and vibes of each individual episode. That is Really different, interesting, intriguing. Ah, it's new. What do we think about that, Jennifer? You know, it took me a moment to try and figure out what what does this mean? (laughs) And then I thought about the succession theme because Mm. I believe he composed that, correct? Mm, (laughs) Because that's where I'm going with it. Mm. You know, in succession, they use that theme in every episode, but it sometimes it would be so different. And but I would get this feeling that that it was like connected to the larger storyline because in succession you have all these different characters, right? All these different storylines going. But then the minute that you hear that succession theme, whether it's slow, the tempo is slowed down, or the or maybe it's a little bit um, more haunting, or it's a little bit more frenetic, right? Mm. They, they would kind of change the tempo, and it would be it would share what was happening in the scene. It would connect all the storylines together. And that's what I'm kind of thinking might be happening with 
and or where we're going to it might we might not even recognize the theme, but then all of a sudden we might hear a familiar note and go, oh, mm-hmm. that's that's the and or theme. It's really clever, I think, um, especially when you are going to be dealing with so many different, as Tony Gilroy talks about, so many different characters um, and all these different um, things happening in the galaxy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good. Yeah, he did uh, write that among other themes. That's a great, uh, great research there. Um, and I, I listened to the show. It's one of those shows that Grace watched while I sat on the couch and played MLB <laughs> the show and only listened. Never, I heard uh, heard the cast. Well done, well done, John. Uh, but I didn't focus on the music. And now I think I I, I might just for um, fame of uh, reference there. Uh, I, I really love this idea, uh, especially for four center conversations that are going to begin with, all right, what did the song mean for the theme this week? Not just the title, not just the themes of the episode. Joseph, it's, it's, um, it's, 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 it's new and new brings up a lot of thoughts and a lot of emotions and even occasionally pushback. So which one of those applies to you? Or <laughs> I, I am exciting and intrigued. I think we're going to end up talking about the new and the old uh, a lot on this episode from the, the great news things that, that you found, Ken. Uh, but I think this is new in a good way, a uh, new to Star Wars, right? Uh, I think it, it should grow. And I, I kind of went to the same initial thoughts that both of you did. Uh, the first thing that I thought about was the like, yeah, sometimes we discuss, hey, wh- what is the actual meaning of the title of the newest episode of a Disney plus Star Wars show? And now we're going to be like, what, you know, what did this key change that neither of us can articulate particularly well? What did that mean for what Mon Mothma was feeling this episode? I'm looking right. forward to having those conversations. Uh, and then Jennifer, I, I looked up Nicholas Bertel as well, because I, I am, you know, I didn't know him by name. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was really fascinating that uh, he has such a mix of dramatic st- scores, like scores from movies that are just like very dramatic. Um, mm. And then some comedic scores, but uh, in particular, a lot of comedies with a message, uh, things mm. like the big short, don't look up. So things that are, I oh, think, like fun, right. bouncy, uh, you know, intriguing, grabbing, meant to like grab you and put your focus over here. But there are also movies that are like about something and something deeper and darker, mm-hmm. uh, which of course really uh, fits in well with the with Succession. Mm. Um, and I was trying to think of like the right way to describe why that theme is is so powerful to me. Um, and it's like, it's like you're trying to describe it and you're like, it's a banger. It's a great song. It's like a really, it's a disturbing banger. You know, uh, it slaps like the kids say it slaps, but it slaps very sadly. Yeah. <laughs> There's this like perfectness to it that it's really engaging, a really energetic, but it has this sort of like deep sadness to it that fits the, the story of succession, right? Of this mm-hmm. entirely, uh, broken family living in this exhausting fast-paced world so thinking about the succession theme made me really excited for this idea if the and or theme is really really recognizable and you're very quickly uh taught to to recognize the melody or a specific Mm -hmm. instrumentation and then you can be really fascinated by the changes within it but you're still recognizing the song you know Mm -hmm. yeah yeah, yeah, Jen. Any follow up thoughts on on that one there? Sorry. You know, when you were saying that it's a banger, it is true. I I can hear it right now, and I just start rocking out to it. And I remember <laughs> that I think it was on TikTok or Twitter. People were sharing the theme and doing various weird dances to it. And like there was one of like a cat kind of moving back and forth 
but it was groovy. I don't know. I can't describe it, but it's like so sad. It's, it's, it's on another level. And I'm hoping that we'll be able to do TikTok dances to the Andor theme. I don't know, maybe, but. <laughs> Can a cat vibe a, to it? That's the question. With a, right? with a cat vibe. Exactly. <laughs> oh my gosh. I got to find that video. Uh, well, if, if that trend starts, Jen, you're going to be the first uh, through the breach to do that here. And then uh, maybe Joseph and I and our TikToks will start dancing. <laughs> yeah. Congratulations on your TikTok, Ken. Oh gosh, that's quality content. Oh, thank you. I, I I filmed a TikTok while hiking, and that was the most shameful thing I've ever done in my life. Oh, I turning the it. corner while there's this man holding the camera. <laughs> hey. Move along. I'm TikToking. Oh my uh, god, that's what nature is for for lots of people these days to <laughs> yes. take some exciting videos. I, I I did have like a question mm-hmm. about the way you both interpreted this uh, this news. Mm-hmm. Um, it did sound like what uh, was being discussed is specifically the literal opening credits theme yeah. is going to have variations week to week. But did you always also take it that there would be a theme for that the theme would be used internally to the show, or did you think that it was just about the actual credits? Oh, that's that's a great point. I think I think I've I've just been living with the opening credits idea, but uh, absolutely makes sense that a, a motif. You know, there there you go. Yeah, I, I was actually a rock pundit journalist for a couple of years on the early internet days, and I <laughs> I struggled to find the right words to describe music. You're so right, Joseph. I'm going to be like it did the ding 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 thing, and I liked it. Um, but you know, yeah, I, I think you find you know something uh, to emerge in the song, and I would love to hear it. Uh, applied to the story later on you know what i mean like it's it's cool to think it might be something that sets the tone i'm fascinated for the record i i, I understand uh, thoughts and we're going to go a little bit more of tony gilroy's uh quotes because it, it turns out uh, tony likes talking but um we're going to go into some <laughs> details there but i i get it you know because you know you want the theme but like you know again going to my beloved game of thrones like you got the one theme and then the, Raman Jawadi just uses that the main theme, the King's Landing, so well at other parts. And mm. it's used effectively and there's different versions of it, uh, you know, and and uh, I, I, I just love it. And that's not even tailored to individual episodes or themes. So I just think this is kind of I, I think it's a really cool idea. And I'm really open to what's going to happen. And I would really love it, Joseph, if, if it follows uh, your train of thought there and pops up throughout the episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I was just getting excited about that because there are so many, you know, iconic themes that I think bond the audience to like the character or the mm-hmm. idea. And yeah. I, a thing I love as a viewer is the, oh, here we go moment when like right. Bond's theme kicks in or Mandalorian's mm-hmm. theme or Indiana Jones. It's kind of a way to like highlight like this is going to the next level. Lean in, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. I think it is going to be woven throughout just because of the whole succession thing. I remember watching succession initially and being surprised by how often it was used, but Mm. it was used often in moments where it was like a a mic drop, you know, Mm -hmm. where it's like, Oh, this betrayal just happened. And here comes the theme song. (laughs) And I I found it to be so unusual, but incredibly effective. And then I began to look forward to how is he going to, how is he going to do it now? Is it going to be slower? Is it going to be faster? What's he going to do with it? So. Oh, that's so great. Yeah, and, and, and great stuff in this brief. There's a, a moment, a quote that emerged of, of Gilroy kind of saying, I think, I don't know, maybe it's in the brief or maybe a story around the brief. I don't know. It's it's really, jokes aside, hard to see where all the Gilroy quotes come from sometimes. Uh, that he, there was like, he was at Nicholas's house and they they hit the theme and they're like, that's it, that's the theme. And they, and they call yeah. up 
good old Kathy on the cell phone. Right. And, and hey, Kathy, here it is, man. And I don't know. It's like, it's your cousin, Marvin Barry. It's like that kind of moment. And I just, I, I, I don't know. I just picked up a lot of enthusiasm for, for what they're creating together uh, mm. and what uh, Nicholas Patel is, is working on and, and, and just what they're trying to accomplish with the show. And, and there's a lot of information out there. There's a lot of talk. We keep making fun because Gilroy kind of, you know, in episode four of the 13th minute, this is going to happen. And I don't, <laughs> I'm not following those stories anymore, but they're, they're trying to sell this. Joseph, you were even saying off air, like, Hey, there's a thought that they're trying to sell this to a, a wide audience. That's like, I don't know. Didn't I didn't, that guy died in Rogue one and Star Wars fans were like, why are we going back? And I think they're, they're making sure like, here's all the things we're working on. And so I'm just kind of feeding off the excitement. I don't know about you all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it just it really makes sense to me that maybe a little bit more is being uh, shared about this uh, and, and kind of shared in a different way because The Mandalorian was like the first uh, Disney Plus show, the first live action Star Wars show, and it hit so hard. And then uh, Boba Fett and Obi-Wan Kenobi are known. So I think maybe maybe there's just a little bit of a foot on the gas. Let's really show people how much thought and enthusiasm and excitement is behind this show. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And Jen, a little curveball question to you here. I apologize, but um, uh, when the show was announced, I know uh, you know it's been the last couple of years and everything. But while you were uh, um, not on the show weekly, did you have any conversation with friends, family who are Star Wars fans who are kind of like, eh, "Why this?" Uh, mm. Was that prevalent around your uh, circle there? No, in fact, I f- I find that people were actually really excited about Andor. I mean, I was kind of excited about it, but then once I I started reading interviews and, you know, they started showing the featurettes on the, the sets and things like that, I got really excited. Mm. But I, I found that there was always some enthusiasm. I almost wonder now, though, I, I, I kind of feel like, is that an excitement still in the air? I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, certainly among Star Wars fans, but now I'm more interested in like the, the general audience. You know, are they going to be into this as much as we are? I don't know. My, my husband will be the judge. And if it hooks him the first episode, then I think that that's a pretty good gauge. I mean, because he likes Star Wars. Yeah. But, you know. It's it's it can be a lot, and so yeah. and he's like, wait, when does this take place in the timeline? Sometimes he'll ask me, and I'm like, oh, okay, but yeah. um, yeah. So that that's what I'm most curious about is to Got see it. the the non hardcore fans. What is their reaction going to be? Oh, well, and also the hardcore fans, which we'll talk about later. <laughs> yeah, 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 later. Uh, so Tony Gilroy went on to say, with all due respect to John Williams and the history of Star Wars music, that they went in a quote whole other direction, and that uh, they needed an entirely new vocabulary for the series, a visual vocabulary, a storytelling vocabulary, a new casting vocabulary. Uh, That got tossed around and I saw some conversations, both even in our discord, even online. Um, I won't call it like pushback. I just think questions about that, about what does that mean about, Hey, uh, this is star Wars. There's some certain check marks that maybe we feel comfortable about or maybe that star Wars needs. And we've talked about in terms of themes and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so I understand those conversations, but what do we think that actually means? What do we like about it? Do we have any fears ourselves, Joseph? Uh, I think, you know, fears, concerns, probably probably be better to state them as, uh, as concerns mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. for me. I, I think it's understandable when people hear, even though Tony Gilroy is saying it with like so much love, right? His actual quote is, uh, music and Star Wars is just absolutely essentially identified with John Williams. I mean, bow down. 
but we're going. So it's not at all disrespectful to Williams, but I can understand how people, he, he's so beloved. The music that he has created yeah. is so beloved. I can understand how people would go like, ooh, or what's wrong with the way it is? But what I do like about it is this passion for uh, matching the the music to the show itself, right? To the yeah. tone, to the mood, uh, to the characters, all that stuff. I, I think it is... I think Star Wars is at its best when it is the new mixed with the old. Mm. And I think that there is, you know, um, is a lot of different fan discussion out there right now of, is there enough new in Star Wars? So even though uh, anytime somebody says like, we're, we're, we're not, we're not doing it the old way. We're doing it the new way. I have that concern too of like, are you going to respect it? <laughs> yeah. Are you, are you going to look down your nose at Star Wars? Right. Is it going to mm. be like, this isn't that silly Star Wars that some of you like with the big orchestras and the laser swords. This is gritty and real. Everybody has sideburns and everybody is dirty. Like, um, <laughs> and it's very real. It's, you know, it's like succession. It's adult. Like, you know, I have those concerns of like, are, are, is there any part of this that's like being dismissive of a side of Star Wars? But those are just concerns. And that's just me filling in <laughs> yeah. my own, you know, uh, fear. Um, but what I think he's actually saying is, I'm really passionate about the kind of story we're telling. Mm. And I think we need everything to be aligned. This is a gritty uh, down to multiple earths story of the real life day to day people who are being impacted by the empire. And we want to reflect that in uh, the casting, in the mm. aesthetic of the sets, in the music. We want you to feel that this isn't the story of the Skywalker twins. You know, mm. this is the story of, every little person who is impacted as we're going to be talking about later and, and getting music that makes you feel that uh, it really makes a lot of sense to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Love that. Jen, follow up there on your own thoughts there as well, of course. Yeah. I mean, I think that, I think that this show is going to be completely different from any Star Wars story that we've seen before. And um, I think that Tony Gilroy, he's making it clear, you know, he's using Star Wars characters, but he's not approaching it as like Star Wars, if that makes sense, no. or what people might expect. It's almost like he's going in the op opposite direction of what he people are going to expect, um, which I am excited about uh, because I like that they're laying this groundwork for something new in Star Wars. They're pushing the envelope. They're the kind of, the I, Rogue One kind of did that, right? Mm -hmm. I think that this is even going beyond Rogue One. Um, I think it's going to be very dark. I think it's going to be, slower paced i think it's going to be gritty um and they're going to tell a really great great story but my only fear with that if it being so different is that there are, might be some fans who are going to be resistant to this dramatic change haha <laughs> no pun intended <laughs> um, and then i don't really care right like because i like what i like but but sorry if you hear my children screaming oh my gosh Speaking of dissatisfaction, um, <laughs> my, my concern is that then all of the blog posts and all of the media are going to be focused on the group that is saying how much they don't like it. This is not my Star Wars, where Star Wars is dead, blah, 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 blah. And then it's going to take away from what the show is actually bringing week after week and all of the great things. So I'm hoping that that clickbaity stuff won't won't happen as much, but you know, it is what it is. It comes with a territory and I'm excited that they're, that they're really trying something new. And Tony Gilroy is letting us know this is, this is new. 
Yeah, just so I, you guys know. Yeah, no. Look, I, 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 I share a lot of what you're both saying there, including kind of I always call that like that pre-dent defensive mode of, mm-hmm. of, of uh, oh, this isn't good, or, or, or the flip side of, oh, this is way better than what came before. You know, it's like I get in this, I get in a weird headspace, and that's all me. And I think you're right, Joseph, to say concerns. And I had look, I, I going into Mandalorian, just Star Wars on TV. Uh, things I didn't wasn't sure about, and then the music. And I, I was a fan of of Gordon. Uh, I've said before, he, he produced uh, Hyam's first album, which is one of my favorite bands. And I was just like, I know he's done he's done all these other wonderful things, but I was like, oh, dude, the Hyam guy, yeah, I was in Star Wars. Well, what the <laughs> hell is that going to sound like? And I even go, you know, let's go. Kevin Kiner is right, rightfully praised, but Joseph, you and I, and I think Jen, we discussed too that first experience of hearing the Clone Wars theme and going, what. There's no drums in Star Wars. What are you doing? <laughs> Which is not even true. Because you, know, you kind of have, we all have the tendency to push back. So the thing for me is the Mandalorian thing works. Uh, that is now what I consider, you know, it's Star Wars to the core. Rogue One, if Rogue One didn't exist and we didn't have Giacchino's uh, three weeks of coming up a Star Wars score with Williams over his shoulder going, it's, you got to do this, you got to do that. That's, 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 yeah, that all helps ease any discomfort or, or concern I have. Uh, but also, I, again, I, I, we're making fun, and I understand. And I, and, and I, Tony clearly loves talking about the stuff he's working on. But there's a seems to be a passion behind it. You said it, Joseph, of everything kind of aligning, casting, storytelling, music. Ah, I'm so excited. I, I, I don't want to. You know, he's. It's not like he's going. Ah, the volume sucks. We're not going to use that. He's just going. No, 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 no. We're doing this because we. It's that Rogue One vibe, and I just. I don't know. Right now, I'm. I'm. Um, I guess I'm just buying his own hype. I, I'm just really excited to see what they've got, and then I'll judge it as it as it uh, as it lay, as it sounds, as it looks, as it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think the thing that that makes me feel better and in, in assuages any anxiety is pulling back. And and Jennifer, I think you're right to describe it as new, but but in a way, it's also it's just it's new by focusing on a specific vibe that already exists in Star Wars. You exactly. Know? It's mm-hmm. it, and I think what we're maybe all reacting to in getting pre-defensive for, for people who don't like it, <laughs> getting pre-defensive for people who like it so much that they say it is better than everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, that we're already pre-defensive in both directions. I think it all comes from that kind of treating any one Star Wars story that this is the new map for Star Wars, right? Yeah, and right. I just want this to be one flavor on the buffet, uh, one dish on the buffet, and I love that. Um, Tony Gilroy and team seem to be uh, really, really approaching it from like, we are making this specific dish and mm. it's spiced like this and we are going all in and it's got these dipping sauces and it's what makes it, you know, <laughs> but when you pull back to me again, it's, it's, it's absolutely everything about it is embedded in a new hope. You know, mm. I, you can tell the story of a new hope from a gritty perspective. You know, what, what would the music of star Wars of that first film uh, sound like if we, we watch the scene where Owen and Brew fought for their lives, you know, mm. yeah. if we saw Alderaan, you know, if we saw people in terror, running in terror as Aldron, you know, uh, blew up, if we were maybe in the room with Leia when she was tortured, you know, these are all events that happen in A New Hope. But what would the movie be like? What would be the music be like, it, like if we shined the focus on those events? Mm-hmm. And when I think about it that way, it's like, that's not like just totally brand new. It's just putting the focus in a different part of the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Yep. Love that. Not that I need to see the Leia torture scene, but yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a, a big, a big example of if you had seen that, the door doesn't shut. What kind of music are you going to get? You know, what kind of thing? And, and how do you tell that story? And how does it all factor in? So I think it's a great point. Love it there. Love it there. All right. Uh, we're set. We're all right. Gilroy, you got us. You got us. We're listening. We're paying attention. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. 
Uh, that is our first story of the day, the music of Andor. But no, we are not done talking about Andor, not at all. Before we do that, we want to uh, recommend an audiobook on us, something we think you should try out. Joseph, uh, what do we got? We are still recommending Padawan by Kirsten White. It is a great young Obi-Wan Kenobi book. Uh, I've read the first chapter and really enjoyed it, and I look forward to more. Absolutely. Ta- download your free audiobook today. Go to audibletrial.com slash center. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash center for your free audiobook. All right, quick break. On the other side, more news and more and or news here on Center. 
Welcome back to Force Center, the big show, the main show, the superstar starter story of our fleet. I haven't said it in so long, I can't say the word. Oh, it's also so hot, so hot in our studios, our individual studios. My mouth is drying up. We are Force Center. We are talking about Star Wars news. I'm Ken. That's Joseph. That's Jennifer. We are not done talking about Andor, more Andor, more canon talk. The latest issue of F, uh, excuse me, SFX Magazine has some insights from the cast and creators of Andor. Uh, but uh, we also got some comments there. We had Diego Luna had some con- comments. Uh, Tony Gilroy, uh, shocking, had some comments. Uh, all right, I'm going to stop picking on you, Tony. I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. Uh, and, and these comments kind of help uh, give, us, uh, give us some clues as to what to expect canon-wise with the series. And yeah, look, canon is still important. We love our themes and what these stories mean, but you know, we're not going to lie. We here at Force Center love when things line up as well. So, uh, First, uh, they did work closely with Lore Advisor Pablo Hidalgo. I think Diego Luna said that later on in the interview, which was great of that shout out, which I'm sure Pablo was like, please don't say anything. Please don't say anything. Uh, hey, that's no surprise. But Tony Garoy set the overall tone by saying, I, uh, I get this five-year period to deal with, and it's pretty connected moment in history with the empire taking over but you also have these spores of revolution revolution all over the galaxy nobody knows each other there's different factions and it's all going to coalesce awkwardly and clumsily at yavin uh that is wonderful but more there's more uh diego luna said this but our show is about ordinary people we're behind the scenes. They're going to build the road to the revolution. We're really in the kitchen with these people. Our people are back there washing dishes. So Canon might be happening offstage. But what's happening for them is something completely different. So what does what does all this mean to us Star Wars fans? Is the big question of the day. Is this uh is this gently setting us up, Joseph Jennifer, for a story about the early days of the rebellion that doesn't lean too heavily on the big names and the faces we spent decades with? And uh, do we want the show to expand to that? Go from the the dishwashers in the kitchen to the generals and the heroes we know? Or do we want more <laughs> of the, but hey, over here, Tales in Star Wars. And uh, what's the value in that? I just dumped a bunch of questions on the scrap <laughs> table. Pick what you want, Jennifer. Pick what you want and go. Yeah, I know. I agree. I think that moving away from the stories involving legacy characters is the future of Star Wars. I think it's a way to draw new people in. Contrary to popular belief, which the people sometimes believe, oh no, the legacy characters are going to be the ones that everyone knows, the general audience will know, that's what's going to draw them in. I don't know. Sometimes people get a little overwhelmed and they're like, well, I haven't been keeping up with Star Wars. I don't I don't know what's happening and so I don't want to be lost, right? So yeah. maybe new characters, new blood is a way to keep things fresh and exciting um, for or hardcore fans while also bringing in new fans. I think it also frees up expectations. So, for example, if you're dealing with like a major piece of canon, like, you know, Obi-Wan after Revenge of the Sith, people are going to expect that Anakin or Vader are going to show up, right? And then, then they can only watch it from that lens. Like, when is he going to show up? When is he going to show up? That's kind of what I felt happened with mm-hmm. the Kenobi series. And it's like, well, let's just watch the show and let's see what happens, right? But when you have those legacy characters, you have those moments in canon that you're kind of like expecting are going to mm-hmm. happen. Um, and I think that learning about the everyday people uh, who are fed up and are forming the rebellion, I think that that's very timely for our world. Um, mm-hmm. And I think I think it's just, I don't know, I find it to be exciting for me yeah. as a fan. Because, I mean, I love legacy characters. I love Kenobi, but I'm, I'm ready for something new. That's kind of like they said, backstage from yeah. the main stage. 
No, I love that. No, that's that's one of the things where maybe I need to be honest with myself too. Where like I I would take an episode ten right smack dab in the middle of the Skywalker saga. I, I always say mm-hmm. I love you know Andor's a series set in a time period that I love. The nineteen years between episode three and episode four, so I love. So you know I, I'm spoiled in that regard, but I also found myself wanting new things too. But feeling I don't know. It's like the Beatles were my favorite band and are my favorite band. But after a while I started listening to other bands first before them. And I felt like I was letting the Beatles down, you know, (laughs) right. And to tell my high school self, like uh, eventually you also start liking the spin doctors. Like, like, you know, like, uh, and so sometimes I feel like if if I'm going, yeah, I want all new, it means I'm telling uh, Luke, Han and Leia to sit down. And it's just Mm -hmm. not the case. It's not the case. So I love what you're saying, Jen, a little bit of free up, a little bit of a fresh start. Uh, Joseph, again, a lot of questions there, but what what do you gravitate towards? Yeah, I mean, I I think you're kind of spot on with with Beatles. Like this this is the way I sometimes feel about like music. Uh, you know, I got introduced to Frank Sinatra and became really interested in that era, and I feel like I kind of met Dean Martin and Sammy Davis Jr. and Ella Fitzgerald through Frank Sinatra. And every once in a while, when I when I listen to them, I'm like, I'm sorry, Frank. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I I think that is coming from. I think that's almost a good analogy, right? Of like, we, we got pulled into Star Wars by the Skywalker saga and by mm-hmm. these these major players in these events. And there was always the the promise of the, these tip of the iceberg uh, characters and worlds and realities. And now it's like uh, the Beatles or Frank Sinatra, like, hey, l- listen to these lesser known wonderful musicians, you know? <laughs> um, yeah. And I think that's what's really interesting to me about it. I love the idea of what's being discussed in in this uh, quote, that this is a show about the people who are truly affected by the Empire's terror in a day-to-day way, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and from the Imperial perspective, uh, choose to carry it out for various personal reasons, right? So mm-hmm. it it to me, it, it speaks of this show that's really questioning uh, what motivates a war at all, right? Uh, both yeah. in, the, in the burgeoning rebellion, how does the rebellion come to be, and why do the Imperials keep doing this? And that's like a question that leads us to uh, Rogue One. That's a question that leads us into A New Hope and all that. Um, so I, I'm really happy to see that be a question. And I'm also happy to have uh, big influential characters of the era in the show. Like some, like obviously Mon Mothma is there. We know Sagarera yeah. is there. You know, g- good chance of... Palpatine, Krennic, Bail Organa, even deeper cut characters like Yularen, Masamita, you know, um, characters who, like Jennifer is saying, like, it makes sense for them to be there in this place in this time. But I feel like what's being said in this quote is those big characters are there to impact the everyday characters that we're following. Mm. Like when these big known characters make a big choice, how does that impact the characters that we're really uh, relating to our perspective characters? Yeah, I I, I love that. Jen, follow up on that then? Yeah, I mean, I think about Mon Mothma, and we've talked about this before, as a character that we've known for so long, and yet I don't really feel like I know her. You know, I I really know her, and I think that that, this show is going to help us get an inside look into what she's thinking and, and what she's all about. So I think, you know, there can be a, there can be a balance, right? We can get new with old and, um, yeah, I, I just, I guess I'm always happy with what they're going to give me. I'm not, I'm not too picky because for me, every Star Wars movie or series is different. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> because I mean, really, it's the truth. I mean, the, the, you know, 
the mm -hmm. uh, Force Awakens, Rise of Skywalker, Last Jedi, they all felt different, but obviously connected. The Mandalorian, the Book of Boba Fett, Kenobi. It's just everything offers something new, but something that we love about Star Wars, which is why we've been here all these years. And so I'm just I'm just so happy that it's continued. <laughs> I, I think about that a lot. You know, when I find some of my old stuff out of the garage and I'm like, oh, that was the dark time. But there was there was not much happening in Star Wars in the in the 80s, you know, the late 80s. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm, you know what a burden we have to carry. We have to learn more about Mon Mon. <laughs> right? Yeah. I'm yeah. Like, are you kidding? Yeah. Give me, give me whoever. I don't care. I give, give them to mm -hmm. me. There was a time when we had nothing. Yeah. 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 Can Can you ask about the value of of this kind mm -hmm. of story? Right. Yeah. Um, the, yeah. The value. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. The the what I call but over here tales. Yeah, and I mean, like the but over here tales. I think we've seen so much in 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 books and comics. Where we've gotten a little bit deeper, right? With mm -hmm. the the boots on the ground in any situation, and you know, I'm happy to see more stories that are kind of following up on. You know, like we're getting in books and comics. I'd be happy to see on the screen of like, let's follow a couple of Jedi Padawans. You know, let's yeah. follow um some struggling bounty hunters of the galaxy, not the <laughs> cream of the crop. You know, or. You know, yeah. people who who uh, don't necessarily wield the force, but are greatly impacted by it, like that we get to meet uh, a little bit, like Acolytes of the Beyond mm -hmm. or Guardians of the Wills. You know, like uh, what did happen between the Gungans and the Naboo? Like there's all of these sort of tip of the iceberg stories where we could go deeper and meet the more kind of everyday people, uh, which I'd be excited about. And I think the big value of that, in particular with Andor, I'm going to be melodramatic and I say, say I think the, <laughs> the value of Andor is democracy um <laughs> it is. I, I was having a couple of conversations with friends uh, this weekend like i said in kind of coming from it from every perspective from like deep star wars fans to casual star wars fans to uh people who who kind of interact with star wars a little bit more from a like how does it fit into the larger story of pop culture what do we believe because of all the pop culture how does star wars relate to marvel and to dc and to star trek and all that um and a friend was talking to me about like, well, of course, Star Wars is dynastic, right? It's it's all about ruling families and what they do. And there's that part of me that wants to go, no, it's not. Mm -hmm. um, but I understand that it is the spine of the story of Star Wars is the Skywalker saga. And it is about uh, these characters, this family who has this absolutely vital role. You know, Obi-Wan Kenobi is not a part of the Skywalker saga, but he is somebody who has a vital role. And is as we've all talked about, I think Star Wars is dynastic because it, it follows a family, but I think the actual lessons are so deeply democratic, right? Like mm -hmm. Luke can't make that shot if Han doesn't turn around. The actual victory in Rise of Skywalker is there are more of us, there are more of us. Star Wars is deeply democratic, but I think it might be easy to just look at something called the Skywalker saga that shows mm -hmm. you how three different generations of the same family <laughs> mess up, then save the galaxy it's understandable to me that some people don't focus on the themes of democracy. And this to me is that's what Andor is going to be about, right? Yeah. The people are being oppressed. So what are the people going to do about it? And that's the value. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, yep. and, and truly oppressed too. Uh, we're going to see that on the ground. Yeah. I, I, and, and, and this, this story, the headline, and as always shout out to the fine focus stores news net that pull a lot of stuff together and, and kind of the headline was, you know, they did work with the story group type of thing. I, I'm totally kind of paraphrasing it, but the idea being like, 
Yeah, of course. And again, that's no surprise. That's what they do. They they check copies for commercials and go, yep, the, the script copy is correct. That is that is Darth Vader is a character in Star Wars. You can put it in the checks mix commercial. It's part of what the big reason the story group exists is just kind of keep tabs on things. They're there for advice, all those kind of things. And over the years, their job got misrepresented to the public, as Pablo will let you know. Uh, and I get it. The guy gets still attacked for things he wasn't even in the room for. <laughs> like it's just frustrating. So that headline emerges. So I, I but even I, I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah. What are they saying here? And and I I wonder if like this is a kind of a polite way of of setting us up for the yeah yeah. We know there's your Vaders, your Palpatines, your your, your Hans, your Leia's, all those things, and they all eventually either are or become part of this this rebellion story. But we're going over here, and 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 to what you're saying, Joseph. Here's a direct in your face theme of of what what a lot of this is about but also at the same time look at mothma mothma we've only seen her as a public figure anytime we've seen her you know the most we've seen her private is whispering to bail organa uh what about your friend and now Mm -hmm. now we get to see that character when no one's watching and what Mm -hmm. she's going through and what's going on in her life and now the canon just got bigger. And so I'm excited about that. I'm excited for the butt over here, even with a character like Mothma, who, again, didn't even have a Kenner figure. Of course, either <laughs> Tarkin didn't either. You know, she was so just there, but, it, uh, you know, uh, there's so much information of her in the novel. But even that is not from her point of view. It's just the book or the story of the characters commenting on what they think this leader, stoic leader in a white robe standing before them is. So now to actually see it, that's part of the great value, too. The big themes the additional wrinkles to these characters we might have known and new characters we love. Look, I want nothing more than Infus Nest to show up, maybe season two. <laughs> I'd love that. I'm, I'm not holding out hope anymore because I think they're going somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And that just means there's more Infus storytelling to be had, maybe told, maybe we'll get it. I don't know. But we got Saw, we got other characters, and we're going to fall in love with new characters. What's new becomes the standard real fast, and this show's going to help all of that, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I, I was really also struck by this article d- d- specifically describing uh, Pablo Hidalgo again in that same role that he was credited for in Obi-Wan Kenobi of lore advisor, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and that to me feels like that's different. Uh, I don't I don't know exactly what that does. We can only speculate in how that's similar or different to what the storytelling group has done in the past. But I personally kind of like the specificity of that. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, lore is to me like it's a, I think a a different term than canon uh you know canon we can get very obsessive (laughs) about Mm. like what is the date when did it happen did it happen yes or no what color was the lightsaber when it happened who you know who all was there and i think you know lore is much more like this is the general story we all know that it happened but exactly Mm -hmm. how did it happen and all that so i like that but i also just kind of like that i might be utterly wrong about what's happening (laughs) Mm -hmm. in this relationship so that caveat but to me the way i i imagine it when i read all these quotes is that tony gilroy's like i want to tell this story what are the tools and what are the guidelines for the storytelling i want to do right Mm -hmm. so it's almost like you know tony gilroy in the creative team on andor they're making a painting and then a lore advisor uh, is like here are the brushes (laughs) <laughs> here, yeah. are the, here are the paints available. Here's the size and the shape of the canvas. You go make the painting you can, but here are the tools to do it. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I think, good. I think it's a great way to look at it. And occasionally they might say, what about this brush? And they say no. And then maybe there's a talk, a, you know, negotiation over a brush they want to use. <laughs> <laughs> sure, uh, no, it's a great way to look. And look, go back to 2014, 2015, and I'm sure on shows, I, I probably helped stoke some of this. 
the term story group emerges and it, you, of course you're going to think it has either more power than it had or do, had some other purpose. They're all nine people in a room, like, like ring race determining what the story, <laughs> you know, like, uh, they, they, you know, it's just that they caught on like wildfire and, and bad, you know, bad faith narratives and all those kind of things. Uh, but now I think you're right. There's a little bit more like, you yeah, know, Pablo's going to tell you what wine you can drink, what character might be dead. And even then I can't imagine, um, I, or I could imagine a scenario where they try to maybe, uh, like I said, paint with a different brush. But anyways, uh, that's speculation. We don't know, but I love that point there. So, Jen, yeah. take, take us home with your final thoughts on Mon Mothman or her. <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> I, you know, I was just thinking about what, what you were saying, Joseph, and really focusing on the, the people behind the scenes and how important that is, because I think oftentimes in our life, you know, people think of superheroes or heroes are these people that have grand powers or that have supernatural abilities. And that's what it takes to be a hero. But we, I always go back to George Lucas's, you know, quote that anybody can be a, a hero every day. Everyone has the the power, the ability to potentially be a hero in even just a small way. And I think that it's an important message to remind people that, you know, and I think Tony Gilroy even says it, the, the people washing the dishes, right? Anybody can be a hero. You might see them as a, as a quote, quote, minor character, but they are actually a major character, not just in their own life, but in, in all of our lives. And that's such an important message. And I think that they're really trying to say something with this with this series about that and i i love that yeah and and i think it you know has that power like we were talking to last week about the politics you know if this is a story of uh the empire is raiding specific planets uh for you know resources it's the planets that have the resources the empire wants but it's also the planets where you know the people don't have as much wealth Mm-hmm. Or it's not much power. They're not the core worlds, right? They're mm-hmm. not taking the, the minerals of uh, Chandrilla that we know of. We'll find out or Alderaan, but the people who like they, they think they can they can really push around, and that makes it even more powerful and even more interesting, even more the great Star Wars message of everyone matters, right? Yes, yeah. yes, exactly. Especially the time grappler <laughs> <laughs> and his grunting. <laughs> and his grunt, grunting the time grappler, grappler story. Can't wait to see that there. Good stuff, good stuff. I dumped all those questions. Y'all sifted through and got the uh, got the answers we need there. Any final thoughts, uh, Joseph uh, or Jennifer? Uh, no, no. I, I mean, I, I, I'm going to save my final thoughts for the weeks and weeks we're going to be talking about Andor. Yes. So I will edit myself. Love yes, it. yes. I'm going to call it uh, Andor Autumn. Autumn Andor, you know, the fall. Uh, I'm still still workshopping that <laughs> one. <laughs> Autumn Andor. There you go. Well, that is a look at Star Wars news, at least for now. A lot of things always out there. Stories come in, stories go, rumors, whatnot. Uh, we wanted to talk about those when some good conversations start us there. Before we get out of here, we want to uh, look at Star Wars history this week in Star Wars history. Looking ahead to Star Wars past, I almost put a date that was actually the day we're recording, but the day before we released, which is the release of the Clone Wars movie, the anniversary. Oh, wow. Uh, that's an, speaking of Kiner and his music and different things that suddenly became the standards. Hey, that's out there too. So feel free to comment on that. But I, I'm looking ahead to August. 
August 20th, 1973. George Lucas and 20th Century Fox began their journey into a galaxy far, far away when George signed a deal memo to write and direct the Star Wars. The production contract, though, would not be finalized for years. I should also throw in that toy merchandise scene thing kind of had some open ends <laughs> to it as well. A lot can be said about this day and uh, what the beginning of this journey means to us fans. But I wanted to focus on this. Uh, it's sometimes overlooked as, as nothing more, I don't know, just kind of dealt, uh, dealt with as an odd trivia answer. The Star Wars we know uh, was not necessarily the Star Wars George set out to make. Luke is an old general, Han is an alien, different planets, characters, beats, all those kind of things. That, like I said, are just things either you know or you grew up with and behind the scenes uh, story uh, magazine or something like that. The story went through massive changes before hitting the screen. But what does that mean to us Star Wars fans? Uh, when you first started learning about that, Jennifer, what did that make <laughs> you think about the process, the story that we got? Uh, did you get hung up on what ifs? And what does it mean as a Star Wars fan that this whole thing changed as it went along? It, I think it it stresses the importance of flexibility as a fan, <laughs> right? We have a lot of expectations that we might want. Can you imagine if fans had gotten a hold of the original characters and story beats and then Star Wars came out and there would have been an uproar. What happened? What happened to this? What happened to that? Right. <laughs> I think that change in, in is always important. And just, you know, when the lights go out in that movie theater or in your home theater, wherever, you know, you watch uh, content, it's just important to just like settle in and just just watch See what happens. See where, where the movie, the series takes you and not leave the expectations at the door and let the creators work their magic, right? I mean, that's that's why we love art, to be moved through joy, through through sadness, through, you know, the humanities of these characters. So, yeah, flexibility. Flexibility as a fan is what I learned from this. That's great. No, that's great. That's great. Uh, Joseph, uh, your thoughts on this here? Yeah, I think it, for me, I just like reflecting about it as the creative process, right? When when we kind of first meet something, it's sort of fully formed for us as an audience, right? Uh, and then sometimes when you hear the story of how it came to be, it's almost like, well, how did, how did you not know? <laughs> yeah. Why did you have Luke and Old General? It's supposed to be this way, right? Uh, yeah. You know, even when you read like a biography of someone, right? And you really try to get in that headspace and you're, you're just, you're waiting, especially if you already know their life. And like, yeah, and, and when did you sign the record deal? Because we all know what's going to happen and trying, trying to get your headspace. And like, yeah. they didn't, they didn't know that they were going to, you know, get that audition when they were washing those dishes, right? Yeah. And I think to Jennifer's point, I think getting yourself in the head point of that creator creates this, uh, this empathy for what the creator goes through of, mm. uh, and I don't mean it as like, Oh, poor creators, but like that it's a natural process for things to evolve. And I think what I'm really moved by is all, all those early versions of star Wars that in some ways feel like wild. You can still see that like, yeah. Lucas know, knew what he wanted this story to feel like. He he had this idea that it's there, and it took all this work and all this wrestling and all this carving to capture that feeling that he had on day one and make it a reality. And mm -hmm. I think that's what's really interesting to me about the process of like, I know what I want it to be, but now I got to work and work and work and, until it is, until it is what I vaguely dream it to be. I absolutely love that star. Like I'm one of those folks that. Um 
was inspired to create from Star Wars, right? Some people mm-hmm. got into science. Some people went in other directions, became pilots or something. Because actually, Star Wars has so many inspiration uh, points for so many different people, right? But I, I'm one of those, like, used to dream about making a movie as a kid or writing. And a lot of times, uh, even as a writer or as a stand-up, um, you, you hit that wall at one point and you just and, – and, and I do think about George and his yellow pad of paper – writing something that is so far different from what we got and how even then he felt, well, I didn't quite get what I wanted, this and that, the tech side, but just how it is an ongoing process. And you just kind of flow the flexibility you're talking about, Jen, is very important. That was not lost to me. So that's why I love this date in history because it's so, it's four years, what, four years before the movie comes out and wow. he signed on to do something completely different, yet also the same. It's, mm-hmm. the, it's the core, the heart is there, but it's so different. Even some of the early Macquarie designs and all that kind of stuff and, and Colin Cantwell's designs, all that stuff we talk about and it's a fun trivia uh, answer. It does represent growth, change, and being flexible with the story as it emerges, as it unfolds. Um, and I'm not commenting on plans and this and that. I'm just saying like as a creative, as a young kid, it meant a lot to know that it started one way, it, it went another direction, and that maybe I need to follow that as well. So, mm-hmm. And I still do. When a bit's not working, I look back and go, oh, wow, you know, it used to be that. Now it's this. And you just got to go with it, man. Like George and his pad of paper. Yeah. Because like when you're working on the joke, like, you know why it's funny to you, right? That you have to sort of like carve away until until you can make what's funny about it to you a reality that the audience can feel your vision. (laughs) Yeah. Right. And sometimes it doesn't always work, but that's <laughs> I'm still working on some of those. <laughs> they keep chipping away. Yeah, sometimes I wish that uh, audiences laughed when they liked a joke, and then other times, very politely said, "Don't get it. Not quite there yet. Don't feel your vision. <laughs> keep working. Good job, though." <laughs> Almost there. Almost there. Like <laughs> polite audience member. Yeah. Well said, both of you on that there. A little fun but important date in Star Wars history. And then, yes, August 15th, 2008, the Clone Wars movie was released. Another mm. another big thing. And, again, that is a big, giant lesson. There's two things from that time period. I had a Facebook memory that popped up that in which I made fun of Lady Gaga in a joke. <laughs> And now I'm a month away from seeing her in concert. And I'm a biggest, I'm the biggest fan. Like, you know, there you, you, just go. And grow. you just got to change and grow. And then the Clone Wars movie. What is this bleep? <laughs> now it's some of my favorite stuff and uh, the favorite of so many people, you know? Yes. Yep. And now we just wait patiently for Lady Gaga and Star Wars. God, I got to, I have an idea. I'm not skilled enough to do it. All right, all right, all right. Uh, That is it for this week. Star Wars news, Star Wars history, a lot of cool things. Man, so close to Andor and a lot more. Uh, All that that remains is for us to uh, say goodbye and let you know where you can find us. Uh, We are on Twitter at Force Center Pod. We're on Instagram and YouTube as well. Uh, we will uh, do a live Q&A soon. We got, I think the pushback of Andor helped uh, uh, clear up some time uh, for you too. We'll see. Facebook page is Force Center Podcast. We're available in a lot of different spots, including ACAST, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and more merch available at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. And you can support us directly at patreon.com slash Force Center. From there, you get into our Discord server where you can discuss Star Wars every day. And a shout-out again to them. Uh, some point this week, this, this Gilroy talk, the new vocabulary, the new music, there was like some folks in our Discord going, I'm not sure what I feel about that. And there was no debate. There was no judgment. There was no anger. There was just a fun discussion with Star Wars fans 
uh, that is, uh, I'm just, we're just very proud to have that be part of our four center, uh, um, just vibe and community. And that's because of all of you out there. So there you go. You can follow me at Ken Napsock. Go to my website, KenNapsock.com. Uh, Jennifer, what about you? You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Jennifer Landa, TikTok at Jennifer Landa 1138, and my YouTube channel that I am dusting off and I'm starting back up, I hope, at Jennifer Landa. <laughs> I'll have some reviews, maybe some Andor recaps and reactions, and of course, I hope some alien and creature breakdowns. Oh, I hope there's some. Mm, and there will be. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joseph, where can they find you, your TikTok, and more information all the things you do? <laughs> yeah, you can find uh, all of my social media, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, at Joseph Scrimshaw is my handle. And you can go to my website, josephscrimshaw.com, for lots of other adventures. Uh, if you happen to be at the Necronomicon Festival in Providence, Rhode Island, this weekend, uh, I recently uh, wrote and performed a short horror comedy film inspired by the general cosmic horror genre and that short film is going to be premiering at the Necronomicon Festival in Providence, Rhode Island this weekend. Uh, and then the, the film is actually going to be shown as well at the HP Lovecraft Film Festival in Portland, Oregon, October 7th through the 9th. So if there's any overlap there of fandoms, uh, check those out. Lovely, lovely. Check it all out. Check it all out indeed. All right, my friends, that is it. So for Tony Gilroy, his thoughts on Tony Gilroy and Andor. We'll see you all next time here on Force Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.